last week, gave you a little bit, and I'll give you a little more about the science of thankfulness or science of gratitude. Maybe you looked at it up a little bit in the past week or so. Maybe you already knew about it. I, and I fully admit that I'm a little latecomer to uh, being on board with that. I, I, I tend to naturally be more of a person who would say, well, if, uh, you should express thankfulness just when you're thankful. And I would default to that. And obviously, I know you have to go out here. But, but not in the, uh, you should buy a journal that says gratitude journal. And it tells you every day to like, write something good down, whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not. I would, I would naturally be a person that kind of is like, no, come on. What, be like. Let Thanksgiving flow naturally, which is good. But I'm really intrigued by a lot of the uh, last, particularly 5, 10, and 20 years, studies on the bodily, physical good that being thankful is and does for you. Another article I'd read was just from last year, August 2021, and it's on uh, Harvard Health website. So that's part of Harvard Medical School. Uh, and the title of the article, it says, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. Oh, okay. But then within that, as, as some of these other ones, it's actually good for your health. And so they tell you about a number of different studies, one of them being uh, people were divided, some of the first ones, by I think Robert Emmons was one of the first people to study this, and uh, put people into three groups in different scenarios, and one group for a while is supposed to journal everyday positive things, things you're thankful for. Another group, journal all your negative emotions and you have, you know, crummy boss, crummy day, crummy whatever. Journal all the, all the bad stuff. And then the third group, just don't do anything. And not only did people, when they talked to those three groups, did the people that were journaling gratitude things, things they're thankful for in, in a structured, regular, daily way... Not only did they feel better about their life, like their mental health improved, but their physical health did as well. Things like uh, lower blood pressure and lower inflammation, lower pain, they, they would be prone to exercise more. Huh. And they would sleep better. These, these uh, the routine practice gratitude was leading to all these positive things. That I find that just so, so fascinating. One, one other similar study said, well, yeah, but that's, there could just be people that are more likely to be happy. So we got to dig a little deeper in that. And so they found people that were, uh, j had just contacted a counselor. So they're at the point of life where something's going on and says, you know, I, sh I should talk to a mental health professional, which is a very good thing, uh, in not just for routine health, but if something critical is going on. So, so the study involved people that had just reached out to a mental health professional, and then they were invited to this study. So clearly something's going on, and so that it's not just life is great. And so those people that entered a study w went into these three groups, and one of them, one group had to write a thank you letter each week to someone that did, you know, that they're thankful for for something that did something. Now they didn't even have to send it, they just had to write it. Group two then, again, I think they had to journal, write about negative stuff, bad stuff going on in their life, and then the other group. Uh, didn't write anything. And those that wrote a thank you letter a week to someone to thank them had significantly healthier measures, not just, uh, you know, mental health things, but even physical things. And it even showed up in, in brain scans that, that their brain looked differently. And they didn't even make people send them. So, uh, huh, interesting. Just, just telling yourself 
to be thankful or telling you why you are thankful on a daily basis, daily routine practice gratitude, did all this good for you. Now, I find that fascinating, but I didn't need to read all those studies to know that, right? I could have gone to Psalm 136. I could have gone on countless pages in God's word, and it would tell me things like, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His mercy, his love, his steadfast love endures forever. And then as we read that psalm, do you get the idea of maybe routine, practiced, structured gratitude over and over again? Tell yourself and sing together to others that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Anybody count how many times we said that? How many verses are there in the psalm? 26. You don't have to shuffle back into the psalm. 26. 26, point by point. I would call that regular practice thankfulness to the one who is truly worthy. Here's something else about that. Give thanks to, like it says, to Yahweh, the God, named God, our God. I am who I am. Give thanks to Yahweh for he is good because his steadfast love endures forever. That word for steadfast love, if you look at a number of different Bible translations, that word will change quite a bit. I learned it as a prayer growing up, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, as a table prayer, his mercy endures forever. A lot of translations will say uh, just love or loving kindness or uh, loyal love. The ESV I know says uh, steadfast love, it's in our bulletins. Faithfulness, loving kindness, all these things, which kind of tells you something. There's a word that says more than we can kind of scratch at in English. And guess what? It's only three letters. It's only three letters in Hebrew. And it might be, certainly is one of the most important words in the Bible, and it might be in the entire Old Testament. This is God and God's character summed up in one word. And not only that, it's three letters. Hesed. Can you say that with me? It's actually a little more of the, the hawking a loogie H in Hebrew, like hesed. You can do that if you want. But hesed, three, three letters. But it appears 250 times in the Old Testament, and it always tells you who God is and who you're not in a good way. It tells you the character of God, that God is the one who loves you no matter what. God is the one who chooses his people that don't deserve it and sticks with them and loves them. Give thanks to Yahweh for he is good, for his steadfast love, his chesed endures forever. It really is uh, God's, you might say, word, like the word for God in the Old Testament that describes and it, God, and it puts really two ideas together, and that would be love and commitment. God loves a people. He calls Abraham. He commits himself to these people, not because, not because they're the most powerful or the strongest or the best or the most moral. Or Nope, he calls them because of pure grace, love, and commitment. And God sticks to his people, and he saves them. Now, that gets pretty challenging when you read through the story then. If you jump to Exodus 34, chapter uh, Chapters before, remember God has called his people 
out of Egypt, saved them through Moses, and then feeds them in the desert and brings them to Mount Sinai. And he's going to give them his word and his will. And they say, yes, yes, yes. God says, I make a covenant with you, and you're my people. And they're like, oh, yes, well, everything you've said, we'll do. yes, we'll do. And while Moses is up at the top of Mount Sinai receiving all these instructions from God, the people down at the bottom get a little restless and say, ah, what have you done for me lately? And what happens? They make another God. The first rule, there's one rule. Have no other gods. What do they break? The one only first rule. And so Moses comes down and he's horrified that they made this, this golden cow, calf, and they're worshiping that, that he breaks the tablets that God gave him. With the, the Ten Commandments, that he breaks them, and then he has to go back up. And when he goes back up, he goes up and down a lot in that story of the mountain, but he goes back up and God himself says, when God makes a second pair of tablets for Moses, of his will, of his good law for his people. But when God talks to Moses, after the people have miserably failed, God says this. This is Exodus 34, 6. It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That's God's heart at about his people's lowest. Complete turning their back on him, on, on the promises just made. And do you see what God is like? God's people have just wrecked everything that they've ever wanted and God forgives them. And still commits himself to them and says, says, I'm the one who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast and chesed and steadfast love and forgiving sin. It's, it's nearly, nearly unbelievable. So you get to Psalm 136. Can you understand why something like that would end up in the hymnal of God's people then? Do you see how much God has saved us from? And when we deserved to be kicked to the curb, God still forgave us and stuck with us? Yes, of course, we're going to sing his praises and remind ourselves daily, weekly, uh, what he's done for us and keep saying over and over again, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So Psalm 136, I do want to look at it. A little bit here. But there's a lot of cool things about it. It takes on a pattern of a lot of things in the Bible and a lot of things in Christian worship. But what goes on? First, I've already said a few times, give thanks, Lord, he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. So there's a clue we're supposed to get. Let's give thanks, right? But then it goes on to declare, to describe what God has done to him. Verse 4, so I would say verse 4 through verse 9 are telling you about what God has done. What God does. Who alone does great wonders, who by understanding made the heavens, spread out the earth, made the great light, sun, moon. It's, it's about creation, isn't it? Do you know that most ancient peoples worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars as gods? 
The Bible talks very, very differently than all the other ancient literature books. Because in the beginning, it's God. In the beginning, God. And God created those things to serve God's good goodness, God's good creation, seasons, all those things. But in the beginning, it's God. God creates. Who alone does great wonder? God. He creates. But that's not all. He creates. And then verse 10, it turns. It says, to him who struck down firstborn of Egypt. For his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand, outstretched arm to him who divided the Red Sea, made Israel pass through, overthrew Pharaoh, led his people through the wilderness. And then it, I would say it gets a little more challenging for a few verses. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 18, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, to those of you that, that might have seemed weird or awkward to as we read through it to say, wait a second. It's saying God killed kings because his steadfast love endures forever. I, I don't get that. First of all, that's okay. And secondly, God is good and God is holy and God is righteous and God is just and, and God is always against evil. And so when others are doing evil to God's God's people, God's holy people, not because they deserve it, not because they're good enough, but because God has chosen them and made it so. And God said to Abraham, you will, I will bless you so that others, the whole world, will be blessed. God has a special purpose for his people to bring the one Savior through his people that for all time everyone will be blessed through him. God has a special purpose that he is saving them for. And so at times when people attack God's people, God said, no, 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 these, these are my chosen people, you're in a sense attacking me and I will protect them and I will defend them because I have purposes for them. And so those that have done evil against God's people trying to wipe them out by protecting his people, he has wiped others out. That is true. And so you see that. He delivered them from Pharaoh trying to oppress and enslave and kill. You actually want God to be just and holy. That means God takes a stand against evils in the world. Now, the, for many of us, the idea of God's judgment can be unsettling. But back up a step and realize, if you want to be able to look at the worst things you see in society or in the world and call them wrong, you have to have a God who, who is good and just and has a good will that we should follow. Because then God does take stands and, and works against evil and wants to save his people and protect them from it. And so God does. He redeems and saves his people by, yes, overthrowing Pharaoh, striking down the enemies, yes. But guess what? It doesn't end there. Where, where do you see God's absolute loyal commitment, loyal love, steadfast love, and being against evil for all times in the most, not just impressive way, but, but heart-melting way? Of course it's Jesus on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, and you heard in the gospel reading, the one thief saying, come on, save, save yourself, and the other saying, wait a second, uh, he's holy, we're not, we're getting what we deserve. We're all that guy who should be hanging with Jesus saying, you're the holy one, I'm not, I deserve this punishment. And Jesus says to him and essentially to, to all of us, you will be with me because I'm dying for you. 
So when God is against evil, he's against evil that we can see easily throughout time for other people, but, but he's against the evil in, in my heart and your heart and wants to put an end to that too. That, that's why Jesus died and rose. And that's what God's character looks like to you and to me is that no matter what you and I do and we're, we're capable of hurting and harming a lot of people, God doesn't abandon you. That's what his steadfast love endures forever means. It is God and God's character alone that would drive him to come as a human in Jesus, to live and die and rise for you and, and say things like, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's God's heart. And only when we receive Jesus will, will that heart be started to put in us too. So first, in Psalm 136, God creates. Second, redeems, saves. And then you get to the very end, verse 25. He's 24, he's rescued us from our foes. And 25, he gives food to all flesh. And give thanks to the God of heaven. Gives food. He sustains. So God, all throughout the scriptures, creates, saves, redeems, and then sustains, keeps giving food to. Guess what? When we spoke a moment ago, the Nicene Creed, that's the same structure. God the Father creates. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who does what? Redeems. And then I believe in the Holy Spirit, who, who sustains, gives us faith to trust, and sustains our faith. And so, even buried way back in the Psalms, 136, you see things like this that are all throughout the Bible and all throughout Christian worship. God... God the Father, the Trinity in action. God the Father creating, God the Son redeeming, God the Holy Spirit sustaining and giving us faith. Okay, to wrap it up here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Can you look at the life that God has allowed you to live? And hold that in one hand, and the other hand, look at God and say, God, you are good. And that might be a challenge on some days, and for some of you that, that certainly have had a lot more suffering than others, can you look at God, can you look at Jesus on the cross, can you look at things in your life and say, God, you are good. And what if you then wrote that down? What if you reminded yourself every day that, God, you are good? Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. That's why we give thanks to him. If he wasn't good, you wouldn't want to give thanks to him, and I, I wouldn't either, and I wouldn't blame you, but he is. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever.